Welcome to the Uncut Podcast. I'm Pastor Luke, and I'm here with Pastor Cameron. Today, we're going to be talking about the topic or the question, really, of like, is that biblical? What does it mean to even be biblical? And so, the kind of like launch into that topic and that question, Cameron, you're wearing a short sleeve shirt today. I am. Like, it's warm in here. It's warm in here. Um, anyone who's watching the podcast can see Cameron's got several tattoos up on his uh, on his arm there. Uh, Cameron, what would your uncut, honest response be to someone who just came out and say, Pastor Cameron, I see that you've got tattoos there. Tattoos, like, really biblical. Mm-hmm. Well, it's a, I mean, I would probably ask them, like, what they mean by are tattoos biblical? Like, does... Do tattoos, is it something that, because like there's lots of different ways that they, there's lots of meaning behind that question. Like the question is, it can have a lot of meaning. Like, well, I think what they're saying Mm -hmm. is that um, the Bible is against tattoos or God doesn't like tattoos. And we read that in the Bible. Um, But like the, the very question of like, is it biblical or not? Are tattoos biblical really is like a pretty simplistic question because are tattoos biblical? Yeah, they're biblical because we see people, we see tattoos talked about in the Bible and I'll like maybe tattoos are the example. Right. But the question really is like, what do we mean when we say, or when we ask the question, is it biblical? Because, like, I could say some things that really ruffled some feathers. Like, I could say genocide is biblical. Simply because it occurs in the Because it occurs in the Bible. Yeah. Right? Um, Or child sacrifice. Biblical. Why? Because it occurs in the Bible. Polygamy. (laughs) Biblical. (laughs) Right? Why? Because it occurs in the Bible. Mm -hmm. But that's not really what people mean. No. When they say, is something biblical or not? So, well, you know, so this is, uh, this conversation makes me think about sort of the strain of evangelical Protestantism church that I grew up in. Uh, Kind of the tagline was, you know, uh, I can't remember the specific tagline anymore, but it was something like doing church biblically or doing church like they did in Acts. Mm-hmm. Um, and the whole idea was to kind of, and we're non-denominational, so like we're, you know, sometimes this is kind of something that pops up in non-denom churches, but mm-hmm. like this idea of like, we don't want to be constrained by man's ideas of how to do church or how to do ministry. Right. We want to be biblical. Mm-hmm. And I always found that kind of ambiguous, or even just how many people even have very different ideas over what it means to do church biblically. Because like, I grew up in a contemporary church where we didn't, where we sang sort of contemporary songs, you know, mm-hmm. which at that time was like early Chris Tomlin and all that stuff. Paul Walsh. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, um, Love you, Paul. But. Yeah. But we had 
overhead projectors, mm-hmm. you know, if anybody remembers those. Those are um, not biblical. They're not, right? Like, like if we were to take, like, well, what does it mean to do church biblically? Well, it would probably actually, people who do house church movements would be closer, mm-hmm. still not terribly, like, still far removed from what, from, like, doing it in a very literal sense biblically. Yeah. Yeah, well, even if you talk about like the house church movement in the New Testament and like what it what it would mean to do church biblically according to the New Testament, being like, well, we should probably pick up and move ourselves to a country with very little religious freedom, you know, where where describing Jesus as Lord or Savior would be. Um, antagonistic to our like our country and could get us in a lot of trouble including and up to getting ourselves crucified or thrown in jail mm-hmm. right so that would be a biblical model of doing church yeah um but like what i think happens is that people we do a really good job at at taking the bible in general out of the out of its its own context mm-hmm. or out of the place where like out of the world in which it was describing and out of the world in which it was living and we we pick up all of the information that's in it and all of the stories and all of the examples and all of the teaching and we bring it over here and we try to like we superimpose it onto our world, right? And so then we have this like a uh, okay, well now we can talk about what's biblical and what is not, forgetting that there were the that the Bible was written, recorded, and used over a span of like thousands of years, um drawing in like Dozens of different cultures, dozens of different people groups and languages and traditions, and doesn't exist as just one, like, uniform, like, unilateral narrative or position on one particular issue or one particular thing. Yeah. Right? So, so like, it requires... It requires us when we're asking these questions about like, is this thing biblical or is it not to not just say, okay, does the Bible forbid X? Does the Bible for, or is the Bible, does the Bible say that I have to do this Mm -hmm. or does the Bible say I can't do that? Therefore it's biblical. It's really, unfortunately, I mean, I think it's unfortunate. It would be a lot easier probably in life if the Bible was like that. <laughs> right. If if every question I came up against was like as easy as, find, you know, finding the exact verse that says yay or nay. Mm-hmm. So kind of what, so kind of that, that initial sort of refutation we have of just like, well, what do you mean? What do you mean biblical, right? Because yeah. we can kind of drill down on that. But what we're really kind of getting at is maybe, like, would you say it's like a like a bad way of, like, we're not good 
at doing the application work or the like the the work of removing understanding, removing and reapplying the context between the Bible and now. Yeah. Is it a matter of context mis- misaligning the context? Or is it sometimes that are we just I think what a little bit you were getting at is that maybe sometimes there's questions that we're just like asking the question is that biblical is a little bit silly because like yeah like asking is 2 plus 2 equals 4 is that biblical somewhat nonsensical yeah yeah i think that that's i think there's a little bit of both i think that there's first is that we should we should be like i think we should be changing our minds about the questions that we ask because i don't think that the lord is up there. You know, I don't think God our heavenly father is up there being like, they're not even, they're not even considering of whether or not this, that thing that they're doing is biblical or not. Right. It, Cause it kind of elevates like, kind of like elevates the authority of our lives mm-hmm. to the Bible. Tell me more. Like, so like the Lord of my life yeah. is not the Bible. The Lord of my life is Jesus. Hmm. Right. And so like, so who, who then, or what is the authority of my life? The authority of my life is Jesus. Right. Now it just so happens that the, like, I believe that the scripture is a faithful witness and revelation of the, like the eternality and the work and the ministry and the life and the death and the resurrection and the future coming of the one who has authority in my life. But, but I like putting the Bible on the pedestal of like primary Lord of my life or primary authority in my life actually like supplants Jesus Hmm. in that. Right. So I think there's a little bit about like changing the way that we think about the question. Is it biblical? Um, But there also is a little bit of like, are we doing as people who want to be biblical, right? Are we, are we willing to do the hard work? And it is hard work of understanding the context of the words that we're reading in scripture yeah. And the overall like the overall question of like well what is the bible even? What mm-hmm. what is it? Yeah. Um because it it's not like a you know people come to us and they say like well you know I've never read the bible before. You know I don't have any experience in it. So I was thinking that I would just pick one up mm-hmm. and I would read from Genesis to Revelation. That's like the, like a, almost a, I, I know one person who's done that successfully. Yeah. As a completely non-new believer. As a new believer. Right. One person. Right. But almost everybody I ever talked to that does it that way stops after about like, stops very quickly. Yeah. And why? Why do you think that is? Because well, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus. Like Leviticus is boring. Yeah. And like significant well, portions of Genesis are confused. Using. Well, Le- Leviticus is like, in our context, is nonsensical. Right. Like, what do you mean avoid molds? Why can't I eat crab? 
Mm-hmm. What's so wrong with bacon? Yeah, we have blended shirts on, Cameron. Right. So <clears throat> it it is like, uh, oh my gosh, like all of this stuff isn't biblical. How do I? How am I ever going to keep all of this straight and live a life faithful to God, like surrendered to Jesus? Um, and so, like the the reason that we don't often tell people. Yeah, pick up your Bible and read it. You never read it before. Start reading in Genesis and read all the way to Revelation is because it's not it's not a book like books that we have now where the story starts in Genesis yeah. and it ends in Revelation. I mean like we can diagram out the grand narrative that happens there. Right. There's a reason the order that it's in exists. Right. But it's not it's not anyway near historically chronologically ordered necessarily. Right. There's loose chronology. So, yeah. But like, yeah. But it's organized according, generally, according to genre. Yeah. Rather than chronology. Right. It's kind of like hierarchy would go kind of like genre, then chronology. Right. Right. Like, as a, you know, like when we preached um, this past summer, or late spring, um, early summer, mm-hmm. on the Minor Prophets. Yeah. Well, it was significant work, even just for you and I, right. leading up to that to just think, okay, Nahum. <laughs> yes. <laughs> where in the grand story was Nahum, right? right. Where, where's Nahum? Who, who, what was happening when Nahum was alive? Yes. Like, you know, that was a significant amount of work for us to yeah. even just like, okay, that was during this time. What was happening during that time period? Mm-hmm. Because even even though we know the biblical narrative like we don't always i don't always know exactly where that lines up with world history I'm right like, okay who else yeah. what was going on hosea is he like first kings second kings or like yeah. outside of biblical history what nations were around then like what time period are we actually talking about right and so you know, like, and so it it the the point being made that just jumping into the bible ad hoc anywhere reading straight through is going to be just is a massive undertaking mm-hmm. we normally recommend kind of what you would normally recommend and i agree is reading the gospels mm-hmm. right do you recommend one in particular no what i what i normally tell people actually is and they they come to me and they're like you know and we're in a christian context here obviously we're like all about jesus to like the nth degree right and so they come and be like hey i'm new to the bible i want to re- you know i hear you saying you know, that it's God's word and like, I want to read it. Where should I start? And I, almost my universal answer is read the gospels for a year, mm-hmm. like for a full year. Start in Matthew and read, you can read the gospel straight through Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. And then when you get to the end of John, turn around and do it again and then do it again and then do it again and then do it again and do it again. And then maybe, you know, like if you're eight months in or something and you just read the gospels like 10 times by then. <laughs> You know, then maybe pick one that you're like, you resonate with and just like keep reading that, keep reading that, keep reading that, keep reading that. Because like the the point that I want them to get is the revelation of Jesus. Hmm. It's more of a, like, I think one of the things that's like been like even good for my own soul spiritually is to read, to read the gospels in a more personal manner, manner. Like, I want to know Jesus. Mm-hmm. Less of like, you know, we're 
we both have theological education. We both like, preach. And so like, there is a, a tendency or like we've even have a learned way of reading the Bible for other purposes rather than devotional or spiritual. We were, you know, we're, well, I've got to write a paper on this or, well, I've got to preach or teach on this particular topic or something. Mm-hmm. And so there's something to maybe not throwing people into that way of reading the Bible right away. Mm-hmm. And at least what, when I see that kind of doing that, reading the Gospels over and over again as sort of forcing us to, like, not, one, go deeper than we normally do on just about anything anymore, but also to just kind of, I don't know, step a little bit closer to experiencing and encountering God through the Bible rather than reading something for completion's sake. Yeah, which is generally a, is generally. I don't want to say it's a huge problem, but it's generally the way that we approach everything. Yeah, the scripture. Yeah, you know, is that we approach it from a sense of like information. Yeah, Bible in a year. Yeah, Bible, Bible in a year, or one devotional a day, or whatever the case may be. Obviously, there's nothing wrong with that. I want no. people to be in the Bible every day. Totally read the Bible in a year. Right. I think that's awesome. Yes, right. Um, but when you approach the scripture with a sense of like. Um, this is all information that once it's once I read it and it's in my brain, it will the information is what I need mm-hmm. in order to one be a Christian to like live a faithful life. It's it's really like an information age thing. Yeah. You know, like I just need the information and then I will be I will be set. Right. And if there's anything that the internet has taught us is that access to information does not make people more like Jesus. That's true. You know, we have, we have more information than we've ever had in all of human history and we have it, you know, like literally oh, yeah. at our fingertips, supercomputers in our pockets, in our pockets, right? We can, I can do anything on this, get any amount of information on this anytime I want. Is it, is all of is the access to that information is that and that alone getting me or moving me closer to Jesus right i don't i don't think so you know it no. there was um i think it was in a sermon by matt chandler he was making this point and he was kind of saying he's like you know there's these christians and i was one of them it's the reason i still remember this is because it resonated with me at the time you know who listened to Read all the Christian books, listen to all the podcasts, listen to all these sermons, but like have zero applying or very little application. Mm-hmm. And he's just like, you're spiritually obese. Mm. Like you've mm-hmm. you've consumed an amount of spiritual knowledge that you have done almost zero work in actually like expending or implementing into your life. Spiritual knowledge, but no spiritual wisdom. Right. And so, like, mm. I could answer maybe a theological question or quote somebody on something, but was that actually playing out in my life? You know, like, right. there's this, um, It's there, this is a serious question for, I think, any anyone who's in a small group or leading a small group, is have you actually applied and implemented the last study that you did? Hmm. And if you haven't, are you really ready to move on to the next book or the next study or the next topic? 
Right. Or you just want to crank out right. the next workbook. Right. To say that you did it. Yeah. You know, and to go back to the, the Bible in the year, like if you're doing, you know, a devotional every day and you're doing the Bible in a year and you're encountering Jesus every day, mm-hmm. awesome. hundred percent. But if you're doing the Bible in a year and you're cranking out like, you know, that's usually ends up being about like four chapters, five chapters, you know, 20, 30 minutes of reading a day to do that. And you're not encountering Jesus. Like, what are you doing? Mm-hmm. Are you, are you building up? Like you might even intent unintentionally be building up uh, a wall of kind of like, this is a drudgery. I have to do this. I'm continuing to do it. There's no joy and there's no encountering Jesus. Mm-hmm. How long are you going to do that before you just kind of set the Bible aside and said, you know what? I tried and it wasn't, you know, I wasn't meeting Jesus. It wasn't life giving. It was just, a drudgery. Just a thing on my checklist or anything to do. And then you'll abandon it. Mm -hmm. And, you know, so like I'm always, I'm a major, major advocate of like, particularly when it comes to Bible reading, but any spiritual discipline, like find what works for you. Mm. Like, I think sometimes we have this like, you know, and partly in due to the way that we talk about like quiet times or QTs and like, um, however, you know, devotionals, mm-hmm. um, you know, a lot of times we describe those or we post pictures of those as like, got my coffee, the sun is rising. I've got my big thick Bible out and I've got my bullet journal. And like, mm-hmm. you know, that's the picture that makes it on Instagram or Facebook. But is that even the best way for someone like, to do a quiet time. Like it might be for somebody to listen to an audio Bible on their commute might be a more effective way for them to study or integrate scripture and meet with Jesus than, you know, doing an inductive Bible study or something Mm -hmm. like that. I Mm -hmm. think prioritizing that connection with Jesus is, you know, primary. Yes. But that kind of even leads us to this point of, and something that I think is missed is what is actually the point of the Bible? Mm. Right. I think we open the Bible mm-hmm. and we want to treat it again. This is coming back to the main topic here. Yeah. What is biblical mm-hmm. is I want to open it up and I want to say, well, this is the textbook. Mm-hmm. No, this is this is the answer book. This is the you know fill in the blank however you want to describe that, and it's going to give me an answer on this particular topic, particular question, um, and I'm going to approach it that way. Yeah. And we try and it's a lot of times we end up reading it like it's a textbook. That's the that's why we proof text things. Yes, proof texting is a major pet peeve of mine. Yeah, what is what for maybe people who don't understand the term? Like, what is proof texting? Proof texting. So I will say that like you can proof text it well. Yeah, you it can, is possible to. Yeah, if I say. If I say, Luke, you really shouldn't murder that person because the Bible says in the Ten Commandments, thou shall not murder, you can't be like, well, you're just proof texting. Right. Right. So what Cameron just did there, right, like Mm -hmm. what you just did is you proof texted. Here's a statement. Here's like a reason. And then here's the text that clearly supports that. Proves it. Proves it, right? Mm -hmm. That's positive use of proof text because that passage very clearly Thou shall not murder means thou shall not murder, right? Cannot get around that. But I could say, as an example of a bad proof text, 
right? Yeah. Let's see. Um, Luke, the Bible says, eye for an eye. Mm. Sure does, Cam. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right. And then it becomes a justification for, you know, okay, like, uh, you know, that person did this to me, eye for an eye, I get to take it back. And mm-hmm. we don't take into account the interpretive history, the context of that, what Jesus even says about that, because Jesus quotes that passage. Or the next verse. Yeah. Just the, like the very next verse, right? Yeah. yeah. Right. Because oh. eye for eye leaves the whole world blind, which is not in the Bible. It's not, but, the Bible. It's not biblical. <laughs> right. But people might think it's in the Bible. Right. Um, but there there's that that that's a huge mm-hmm. I think like for me it's really difficult. If I'm if I'm leading and I was leading a study and I was opening it up and I was leading these lessons. And I was like, I can't, can't read that Bible or read that Bible verse because it's really bad proof texting. I would just skip entire sections of this study because I was like, I don't think that's how you're supposed to use the Bible. Don't. That's right. not good biblical interpretation, and I don't want people to get used to just saying, "Oh, you just pluck." Yes. Kind of the the Google search of like Bible verse. On faith. On faith. Right. Boom. You get one verse, pull it out of context, and it may or may not mean what you think it means. Yeah, Yeah, because the reason being there is that, you know, you can proof text a particular topic or issue, but it doesn't just like – because of context and because of the verses around it, because of who said it and what period they said it and why they were saying it, if they were responding to something, if they were addressing it, if the thought goes on or whatever, but you just come and you like cut and paste, you cut a verse out, right, and take it, you're we end up ignoring what is the whole counsel of scripture, mm-hmm. right? Which was a question that you started with or kind of like alluded to is like, well, what is the point of the Bible? Yeah. Right? Is is the Bible something that we just like cut out the proof verses that we need to support the positions that we have or the positions that are comfortable for us? Mm-hmm. And so I'm going to, I'm going to take that out and I'm going to put it on my wall in my living room. Right. For I know the plans I have for you declares the Lord. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. Plans to prosper you and give you hope in a future. Completely out of context. People read the rest of Jeremiah. You'll take that verse off of your wall. Yes, you know the whole <laughs> whole passage. I pre like I'm passionate about it because we I did a series while you were on sabbatical, uh, misquoted mm. where we pulled out all these passages, yeah. and that was like I think one of the first ones I did. Yes, and I was like, I was interested going into it, and I was like, I just read the passage, and I was like. Wow, all you literally have to do is read the rest of this passage. Because, like, the next verse, it says, like, God's like, I'm the one who put you into exile and caused all of these bad things to happen to you. Yes. Uh And I was like, oh, so God has a plan to exile you and prosper you. Like, there is a complexity there. It Uh is not simply the, you know, uh, one of my favorite quotes, you know, because it rhymes. Before you go any further. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Why does it? Like, in the actual, like, practicality of my spiritual life, mm-hmm. why then does it matter for me to, to read the next verse? Because, well, like, part of it is, is like, does meaning matter? Mm. Like, 
or like if I go through, if I, if I like stand on the rock of Jeremiah 29, 11, my entire life, that God's plan is to prosper me, but I'm constantly in exile, which is what the rest of the context in the verse says, Yeah. right? Then where does it leave me? What does it leave me thinking about God, about yeah. the Bible, about faith? Like, this is crap. Well, yeah, it does. It leaves you with an understanding of faith that doesn't match reality. Exactly. Right. It doesn't match what is actually biblical. Right. That, you know, Cameron, that's an awful thing that happened to you. But the Lord says, rejoice always. Rejoice. Yeah. Therefore, you know, rejoice always. It doesn't matter that something awful happened to you. Right. Yeah. Which, like, I know is something that gets said in as so many words as that. Mm -hmm. and. You know, yeah, like there's of, no room for lament. There's no room for questions. There's right. no room for sorrow. There's no room for joyless or like unhappiness. Right. Completely ignoring maybe the context of, I don't know, most of the Old Testament. Right. How about most of David's life? Right. Or Job or Ecclesiastes or Lamentations or the prophets? Most of the Psalms. Mm-hmm. Right. right. The majority of the Psalms are lament. Yeah. Not mm-hmm. happy Psalms. They're right. sad Psalms. Or Jesus himself weeping over. Like weeping over Jerusalem mm-hmm. or being angry with his disciples or the religious leaders. Or weeping or at like, the death of, death of Lazarus. Exactly. I think that's a perfect example mm-hmm. because how many times do we, we're like, well, you know, we have this bigger context in faith and we know that God will do something good through the evil that, you know, mm-hmm. we're like saying, you know, God doesn't waste anything. Mm-hmm. We're like, okay, there's truths there. But Jesus didn't come up to the tomb of Lazarus and say, I'm not going to cry because I know that I'm going to resurrect him. Right. Jesus refused to exit the experience of when and what he was going through just because of like some sort of like larger truth he had mm-hmm. access to. Mm-hmm. And for some reason, we insist that we do something that Jesus himself didn't even yeah, do. Yeah, we do something different because, well, we have the information that says, well, we can we hope for resurrection or we hope for eternal life therefore we have no we have no sorrow or right. whatever yeah proof texting yeah exactly mm-hmm. which i was going to say my favorite cuz i just have to say this mm-hmm. quote is like you know a text without a context is a pretext, pretext. for yeah. a proof text yeah. right <laughs> <laughs> so a text without a context is a pretext for a proof text write that down people right, right. that that is Put that on like a with a soaring eagle above it and a waterfall, and then like yes. put it up on your wall. Yeah. Um. <laughs> one of my uh, one of my seminary professors used to say, um, "What the Bible never meant, it can never mean." Mm-hmm. So, like, if the if the if a particular scripture, we'll just use Jeremiah twenty nine eleven because we you know if tw- Jeremiah twenty nine eleven never meant hey. The Lord is going to prosper you, has a plan for you, you know, don't look to the left or the right. I mean, and, and, yeah, okay, yeah, it, it, it does, it is what it means, but it ignores the rest of the context. Right. It ignores what it actually, like, there's better verses. Yeah. Or better sections of scripture to describe God's plan for you. So if it never meant, like, if it never meant X, it can never mean Y. Right. Right? You can't, you can't pull... You can't pull verses out of the context in which they were originally written, in which God inspired. That's a big one. Like let's talk, let's talk about inerrancy and infallibility <laughs> yeah, yeah, and, was... and, and inspiration. You know, like you can't pull things out of that context, put it in another context, and make it mean something that it never meant. 
Right. Right. It's on. It's an unfaithful like handling of the scripture. Yeah. Well, it's you know pe- people hate to be misquoted, but mm-hmm. we misquote the Bible all the time. All the time. You know, yeah. It's out of context. Do you want to dive in? Do you want to ask that question of like, what does it mean to believe the Bible? Do you want to dig into that now, since we're kind of butting up to it? I mean, I think it makes it makes sense. You had asked the question that I thought was like starting to go there, which was like, well, what is the point then? Yeah, of the Bible, right? What is the point? And like, I have like, I think there's multiple answers to that question. Mm-hmm. I think that the like. I think there it has like there's grand theological answers to that. There's also really simple, but there's answers. also real practical and simple answers to it mm-hmm. that are faithful. Yeah, I would say that like if you were to tell me, Cameron, you have to define the purpose of the Bible as we have it right now. You know, the canon of Scripture that we have. You have to define it in like one sentence or one thought. What is the what is the purpose of it? I would probably say something like the Bible, the purpose of the Bible is to reveal the glory of God through Jesus Christ. Yeah. That's probably what I would say. It's a revelatory. Yeah. It brings revelation Mm -hmm. of who God is, how he's at work in the world, all that. And it brings it primarily through the revelation incarnate the, the you know, like the the person of Jesus Christ right the point of the bible is to know god yeah 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 and in, in and his... it is his self revealing mm-hmm. yeah within historical context right i this makes me think of i got into an argument once with someone who i think it, they they had gone to a church i'm going to give it the best charity possible. I think maybe this pastor was making an illustration and the person misunderstood the pastor or the pastor is just very, very confused and not very good, but came away thinking that he was like, well, you know what the Bible means, right? I was like, well, I mean, the word Bible, it's like book. If we want to like translate it, Mm -hmm. like canon book, like, Mm -hmm. um, and he was like, no, no, no. Bible stands for basic instructions before leaving earth. And I was like, I was like, uh, you know, I've heard that before. And I said, I think that's like an illustration. He's like, no, no, no. That is what the Bible means. And it was like, it was 15 minutes of us just butting heads. I was like, you are wrong, sir. That is not at all (laughs) like the origin of the word Bible. It's not like a, I know that ministries like to use like, like, like to do that, acronyms right? Acronyms or whatever. Acronyms, uh-huh. like, but the Bible was not originally an acronym, I promise yeah. you. <laughs> but, like, what would you say to, like, maybe not somebody who thinks that the word Bible literally represents mm-hmm. that, but someone who has that, like, approach or says, well, isn't the Bible just basic instructions before leaving Earth? Yeah, I think it goes back to our conversation about, like, the Bible being primarily information-based. You know, instructions is, like, do this, don't do that. Do this, don't do that, do this, don't do that. And there certainly is things like that. Well, yeah, the Ten Commandments. The Ten Commandments, right? You know, Um, but but I think that, like, what is happening, like, even in the process of Scripture, the progression of Scripture, is that 
God, like God is, maybe progressively is the wrong word, but like God is progressively revealing his, like revealing his glory, revealing his nature, revealing his character um, in and through, in and through Jesus Christ. And, and that the purpose of the Bible then is to draw us in relationship with himself through Jesus, right? By, by placing it in a context. Um, so like, you know, we can, you know, like if you, for instance, like Paul's words to Timothy about like the purpose of scripture, like all, all scripture is God breathed and is, is, um, is good for instruction and rebuking and teaching and like towards righteousness. Right. Um, and like, but even Paul had a context for the words that he was saying there. Mm-hmm. Paul didn't have a New Testament, right? Paul had an Old Testament. Mm-hmm. He had the he had what what we consider to be the Old Testament or the Hebrew scriptures, but there was no like, hey Timothy, make sure you're reading the New Testament, all the letters and the Gospels because they didn't exist then, right? Right? They were in the very early stages of maybe being passed around, but right. They weren't codified by any means. No, and like even at that point, they weren't even being passed around on paper. They were being passed around as an oral tradition, Mm -hmm. not a written one, right? And so, if you take even that that instruction to Timothy that Paul gives about like all Scripture is God breathed, you know, like what is scripture? Yeah, what is what is scripture even in that moment? Like, well, Mm -hmm. for Paul. It was all of the things, like all of the things written that the the Jewish nation had, like preserved both in oral tradition and and in written tradition, in scrolled tradition. Um, But was had like certainly had like instructional value, but was in and of itself like the revelation or the the um, the historical account of how God was revealing himself mm-hmm. in the lives of the nature or in the, in like, like to the people of Israel and how God's revelation in the nation of Israel was being like, had its fingers in other cultures and in different parts of the world. Like, and so like basic instructions before leaving earth. One, oh my gosh, there's so much there. <laughs> um, no, there's nothing basic about it. One, it's not purely instructional, right? It's also the revelation of God's character, which mm-hmm. draws us into relationship with Jesus. Um, before leaving earth assumes that like there's there's no like that, that the earth is just a bad place that we need to escape from and leave from, and there's no redeeming value here whatsoever. Right. right. God isn't creating a new heaven and a new earth. Yeah, like th- there's this agnostic antagonism between like right. all things physical or bad. I right. need to just devoid myself of physicality and mm-hmm. become a spiritual being. Yeah. Right. So I think it, it does require us to like, maybe I guess if I was like to say, all right, well then, what do we do with that? Like, what do we do with all of that? Because I think that the at the heart of the question, the heart of the question comes from people wanting to be faithful. Yeah. Which is, I want to be faithful too. Right. So the heart then of the question I get and I understand, but I think it has just so many um, 
so many intricacies and nuances that not considering some of those things that we just talked about can lead us to make some assumptions or some proclamations that are not altogether helpful Yeah, for our own, you know, like that song's not biblical. Right. Well, I think, I think a couple, you know, part of it is, is like biblical literacy in general is just on decline. Mm-hmm. Like the amount that amount of people who you can come up to and say, have you read the Bible is just decreasing. Mm-hmm. And the amount at which we're able to pick up the Bible and understand it easily is declining. And like, you know, and that's, that's just nature of having gone farther and farther away from when it was written. But it's also the nature of just like, we're not teaching, like not everybody goes to Sunday school anymore. Not everybody gets all of those things. But I think making one or two, I, I think people, and I think we would, make, I, at least I think, making one or two small adjustments to the way that we think and approach the Bible. Like, yeah, we need to learn more about how to read the Bible well, is maybe one application point. Mm-hmm. But I think the, I think keeping that one point in mind of saying, like, what's the purpose of the Bible? The purpose of the Bible is to reveal God in his glory through Jesus Christ, Mm -hmm. that I might know God more. Mm -hmm. If that's the point of the Bible, how does that mean I understand what I'm reading? Mm, Yeah. Like that one shift Mm -hmm. will fix a significant amount of interpretation and like study problems that Mm -hmm. maybe people are even running into. Yeah. Yeah. Do you what do you think that's like true or I do think it's true. I think it comes down to like understanding what is the what is the grand or the primary like to use the word hermeneutic. Ooh, hermeneutic. Hermeneutic would be like it's the understanding it, of meaning or or the the lens through which I'm going to approach interpreting the Bible. Yeah. It's the it's the interpretive glasses that I put on. Mhm. Like in as much as I want to have like a perfectly contextual viewpoint on every single scripture, I'm reading it. My hermeneutic of scripture is a 21st century hermeneutic. Yeah. You know, it just is. It's the lens through which I see things. Right. Um, but to have some sense of like foundational hermeneutic through which you read or foundational lens through which you read and interpret and then apply to your practical life scripture as a whole, yeah, I think begins to help settle the waters of, is this biblical or is that biblical? Is this biblical? Is this biblical or is that or that, that or whatever? Right, right. And removes you from this like place of um, not knowing what to do when you encounter a certain thing vis-a-vis what the Bible says about right. it. Because yeah. like like one of the things that you said like about biblical literacy is uh and like biblical literacy is generally going down, but people people like non believers, they're general they're not reading the Bible. They're reading Christians mm-hmm. who read the Bible. Yeah, that's definitely happening. Yeah. And so if the way in which you read the Bible or the way in which you like show up in the world is all about like, well, I'm a Christian, so there's things that I don't do. 
Mm-hmm. Here's the things that are wrong. Here's the things that we don't do as Christians because the Bible tells me not to do these things. Yeah. Right? And people are reading that, right? And so they're equating, like, they're equating who you are and how you show up in the world yep. with uh, this is what the Bible says. Right. This isn't. So, you know, like, when so it it becomes really important for us to then understand like okay well how am i showing up in the world in response to what god is doing in me as i experience him while i'm reading the word you know is it just producing in me more law more rules more guilt and shame for the things that i'm doing or not doing or is my experience with god's word is it developing in me this deep abiding coming out of every pore of my body love for God and love for others, mm-hmm. right? Because what did Jesus say was the purpose of the Bible? He actually did say, mm-hmm. you know, like, because he was asked the question, by the Pharisees, right? Mm-hmm. Teacher, what is the most important thing in all of the scripture? Right. What is the most important thing? Basically, give us the give us the most important thing. What's the most biblical thing that I can believe <laughs> or I can think? Yeah, yeah. That's essentially the question that we, mm-hmm. he was asked. Yeah, just distill it down. Give me it, mm-hmm. the one thing, yeah. right? And he answered them. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. And love your neighbor as yourself. Mm-hmm. And so the hermeneutic or the lens through which Jesus was approaching everything mm-hmm. was love of God and love of others. So when if, if we believe that the culture is not reading the Bible, but they're reading Christians, when they read us, and by extension, then are then reading the scripture, right? Are they are they reading a scripture that is revealing love of God and love of others? Are we, they will know that we are Christians by the way that we love, mm-hmm. right? Are they reading, are they seeing love or are they seeing law? Yeah. Are they seeing everything that God doesn't want me to do? Are they seeing guilt and shame? condemnation what are they seeing right right and so when i I would and and i i I get flack for this because and i think the reason i get flack for it is because we have been so indoctrinated into the idea um that there you know that the bible is just a codified rule book of things to do and not to do that when someone says, you know, like, well, is that biblical or not? And I say, well, are you able to read that and process that thing, whatever it is we're talking about, through the lens of love for God and love for others? Like, what is that? What is that lens that you, what is the lens of love? Mm-hmm. Because people people are going to be like, oh, you just want to love everyone and affirm everything. And like, there's no rules and like, there's nothing I have to believe anymore. Yeah, and yeah. like, there's a, I can you know, no it. expectations mm-hmm. or whatever. And I'm like, that's absolutely not what I'm saying. Right. What I absolutely am saying 
is that like when Jesus was asked the question, what is the biblical thing? Right. What is the most biblical thing? He answered love. Yeah, he didn't respond. I guess like it would be very different. We would understand it would be a very different <clears throat> Jesus if Jesus had responded with the most important thing is to eat the right food. Obey the Ten Commandments. Right. Yeah, even if he had just said that, mm-hmm. obey the Ten Commandments in a broad mm-hmm. sense like that, well, we would have a very different faith. It, it would be a different faith. And that's not to say that, you know, and this, this goes on, this, this it just extends the conversation about what it means to be biblical. Because then you say, okay, well, what does it mean to, be, what does it mean to love? You're going to see things in like John chapter 15, you know, when Jesus says, to love me is to obey my commandments. Yep. First John, to you know, to lo- to love God is to obey His commandments, and so there's right. not, it's not saying that the interpretive lens through which I see everything, which is biblical, is love, is not to say that well everything is just license, right? That there's no constraint because love constrains. Yes, like, but there's also this. There is the point to love and know God. And then love your neighbor, or is the point to follow rules? Right, and it's it's a shift of focus. Mm-hmm. It it ends up taking us to the same place. Yeah, it just gets us there in a different car. Yeah, you know, <laughs> right? Like, like we can we can go in a direction. We can we can go to a destination. Let's let's just say heaven. We can go to a destination by obeying all the rules and commandments. Right. And it gets us there, right? And then maybe that journey there is arduous and hard. We feel a lot of we feel a lot of guilt. We feel a lot of shame. Mm-hmm. We feel a lot of condemnation because we're not good enough, and God's mad at me. And I'm, you know, like, um, oh, I know that Jesus died for me, but it's because I'm such a wretched sinner, and I I don't have His righteousness, and like yeah. all of that. Or we can get to the same place by saying like, like God, God's position towards us as revealed in his word in Jesus, right? Is love. Mm-hmm. His position towards us is grace. His position towards us is mercy. Right. Right. And, and, um, and in response to the love of God in my heart, right? My desire, like he, he woos me into relationship where I, where I want to follow and I want to obey in the things that I the 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 way that my actual life is transformed is not be it's not tra- my life is not transformed because of the rules I was given. Right. The right. life my life was transformed because I was loved. Right. We right. saved by grace or are we saved by law? Law. Right. Right. We're saved by grace. We're saved by grace. That's what transforms us. Right. right. The law kind of loose like elucidates, uh, illuminates mm-hmm. like our need for grace, yes. but it doesn't save us. No. You know? Mm-hmm. And so I, I do think that like, I think it's a really significant point that maybe we all need to maybe rest, rest with a little bit more is that like unbelievers aren't reading the Bible, but they're reading me. Mm-hmm. Like, I think that would change. I think that would cause some self-reflection. Yeah. It causes me some self-reflection at least. It's just mm-hmm. like, right? What I how I'm showing up in the world is what mm-hmm. how people 
where right or wrong, if that you know, yeah. whether we think that's fair or not for them to form an opinion about Jesus based on my conduct, mm-hmm. it is kind of the reality. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I think we've probably probably covered enough for one episode. Yeah, we've mined like, a, we've mined a little bit of. Yeah, I definitely know. could see us going on and continuing to talk about like guilt and shame spirituality yeah versus like grace because we're kind of button up there but yeah. that's probably... or like yeah i mean we talked a little bit about like inerrancy and infallibility and like inspiration yeah and there's a little bit of like there's there's some work to do there because those Oof. words are often used interchangeably so mm-hmm. yeah. yeah but um in terms of like the main question is something biblical or not you know i wish it was i wish it was that I wish it were that easy. I understand the heart of the question. Yeah. But like, does it draw me into love of God and love of others? Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. That might be a better question. Yeah. Because I think that leads us into the option of using wisdom. Yeah. And like, okay, maybe there's maybe there's like proof texts that say this thing is bad or this thing is good. Mm-hmm. You know. It, does the law of love does the law does the law of love like how do how do I read this thing through the law of love mm-hmm. so yeah well Cameron how uh, that was one of the topics that we'd kind of pre-selected mm-hmm. but I know that we well, we're hoping that people listen but if anyone is listening we we want to invite uh, comments questions um, how would people do that if they want to send us in their thoughts or maybe a question that's a tied to this or something entirely different. How would they do that? Yeah. You can certainly comment on any of the streams that you're watching this on. I think most of those streams have commenting functions, yep. especially if you're on YouTube or, you know, mm-hmm. um, if you're watching the video version of this on YouTube, it is, if you're watching on, or if you're listening on iTunes or on Spotify, this is in video version. You get to see our beautiful faces. And, oh yes. Um, so our wonderful hairdos. Yeah. Go over and follow us on YouTube as well. If that's the, if that's the way that you uh, prefer, but we also have like this mailbag feature mm-hmm. where you can write in comments or text in comments or text in questions or text in topics that you think are uh, maybe that you would like to hear us talk about. Um, you know, for the most part, we're, we don't have scripts in front of us, you know, nope. they're just kind of like going and, um, so that number that you can text in questions, comments, topics to is 716-201-0507. And we'd love to be able to interact with some of those comments that you guys have, maybe some of those questions that you have. We'll be having some mailbag episodes here uh, here and there. But yeah. we, uh, we appreciate you coming on this journey with us and uh, listening in and um, hope it's a blessing to you wherever you find yourself yep. in your walk with Jesus and your, your own Christian faith. Yep. We'll see you guys all next time on the Uncut Podcast.